Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Series. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa, creator and host of the Healthy Hustlers podcast and mum to beautiful baby girl, Georgia Florence. Motherhood, as beautiful and magical as it is, is also overwhelming, exhausting and a massive guessing game. One thing I know for sure is having a supportive community of like-minded mamas you can lean on is one of the greatest gifts on this journey. And I want you to know that you are not alone. This is your network. This is your community. This is your mama gang. This is a series of empowering and nourishing chats designed to give you the confidence to trust your own maternal instincts, listen to your inner knowing and truly believe you have all the answers you need within. During these chats, I'm joined by nurturing, conscious and influential mamas, where through their lens, we share thoughts, learnings and insights into motherhood with the aim of showing you that there is no right or wrong. There is no rule book. There is no one way. Everyone's journey is unique and that's what makes it so damn special. It's time to do motherhood on your terms. Together, let's harness our own unique mamahood superpowers, lift each other up and rewrite the rule books. In today's episode of the Motherhood Series, I'm joined by the delightful and super savvy boss mama, Emma Hawkins. Emma is wife to Geelong Cats footballer Tom Hawkins and mother to two beautiful little girls, Arabella and Primrose. Embracing their country childhood, Emma and her family reside on a stunning farm outside of Geelong, Victoria. No stranger to the work-life, mum-life juggle, Emma is a creative entrepreneur who holds many titles. An adored personality on social media, Emma has an online community of over 120,000, where she shares snippets of her life on the farm, motherhood, fashion, and work life. A familiar face on both our TV screens and red carpet events, Emma is driven, hardworking, and incredibly creative. In this chat, Emma dives into how 2020 has played out for her and her family, trying to find the balance, her feeding journeys, and her personal development she did between her two babes to release anxiety and build confidence, and the inspiration behind her children's clothing brand, Homegrown. I loved this chat, and I know you guys will too. Here's Emma. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Bugaboo. Bugaboo prams are made to lighten your load and turn every day into an enjoyable adventure. Hello, beautiful Emma, and welcome to The Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super, super excited to have you on the show. You have, well, we both have, had had quite a wild year that we were just checking in on each other about, but I guess how are you and the family now? You're back home in Vic. We're so happy and as I was saying to you before, I am very mindful of how that sounds to (laughs) Melburnians at the moment who want to run out of their home where I never want to leave my (laughs) home again. It's, do you know what, we've all had, COVID has not, not affected anyone And I've lived by this the whole year saying we're all in the same storm just by different boats. So someone might look at me and go how lucky I was to go to Queensland for three and a half months, which is fine for people to think like that. And and I look at people going how lucky they were to be at their home for three and a half months with their husbands or or whatever. I mean, it's just the hub was a, a really unique experience. And obviously for the children, it was wonderful because they weren't taken away from their friends like everyone else's children were in Melbourne 
However, on the flip side, our club certainly wasn't at one of the resorts that everyone may have seen on the news of thinking that <laughs> that's how everyone was living. We were at the, the end, yeah, the dream. Um, you know, I found it tough. I'm, I'm a working mum. I'm used to working three to four days a week and I couldn't do that and my business suffered. Um, I struggled kind of living out of two tiny hotel rooms with, you know, just the little things with kids like didn't have a bath, didn't have a fridge, like every breakfast, lunch and dinner it was with 140 people, which, again, I understand people in Melbourne would be would turn around and say but what I would have given to be around all those people, um, which is so fair enough to think as well. I just... So the the short answer to that long-winded question is I'm very happy to be home. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy for you that you are home because I think it's just, you know, the little things of, like you even said, not having your kitchen or just those like normalities of life that, not that we take them for granted, but we always have them and, you know, to have all of that taken away from you. And I think also the impact of how quickly everything happened this year, you know, it was such a lag okay, this is happening. Oh my God, this is happening right now. Okay. Everyone adapt almost like no matter what your situation was or where you were in the world, everyone was like, it was so fast and so reactive. And we all just had to adapt to this enormous amount of change. I think with COVID, it's taught us so much about ourselves. I'm pretty resilient. I'm pretty strong, but I'm not good with change and quick change. I don't cope well. I get really reactive and I get like, instead of becoming like a problem solver, I can become quite an aggressor where I kind of, I go into the the worst and my mind snaps and which is, you know, it's a terrible thing to, to you know, it made us not cope that well at the start, but it's something that I've, I've really recognized about myself and I'm, and I've been doing a lot of mindfulness about it. And, um, you know, at the very start when everything was going down kind of in March, so I think my husband with the AFL, they were put on stage restrictions in February, stage three in February, yeah. long before anyone else. So we were kind of getting our heads around the restrictions. And then when we thought the season might not start, um, Tom might not be getting paid, I was kind of okay to, to workshop through that. It was when, you know, there was 24 hours and it was Tom's leaving for six weeks. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Because I just don't cope well with quick decisions and that's what COVID's been for all of us. But in saying that, I think I've learned a lot and I'm getting much better at it and it just shows us, you know, how how resilient we all are and, you know, to be fair, my problems and what we went through were like minuscule compared to so many other people. So, But in saying that, everything, you know, is relative as well. Everyone's allowed to feel feel their feelings. Absolutely. I was going to say that too. And even just you and I, when we were chatting prior to recording and, you know, we have had, I guess, different situations, but it's both relative to the way that we're feeling and what we've experienced. And it's not like one person's harder off or gone through it worse. It's just like, you know, it's been shit and it's been tough for everyone. Got to remember to be empathetic and sympathetic of everyone's feelings. If we're going to get to the point where it's like, well, that wasn't that hard or this person had it harder. It's like, okay, it's not a competition. And if it was a yeah. competition, what a terrible competition to be involved in. Who's had it worse? We've kind of got to draw a line in the sand now and be like, you know what? It's been shit for everyone. Let's draw a line in the sand yeah. and all move forward together. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Um, so now can you tell me a little bit about you? Who's Emma? 
So I'm an entrepreneur. I have about two to three businesses that I'm working on at the moment. One is homegrown kids. The other one is the content influencing digital media space. And another one is another one I can't tell at the moment. Um, I'm a mom of two and I live on a farm and I'm originally a country girl from New South Wales, but I'm very much a Geelong girl now. Something I really admire about you is, you know, you are such an entrepreneur, you're such a creative soul, and I've really loved watching all of the magic that you've been able to do while also having children. I think it's, you know, it's so inspiring for someone like myself and and the girls and women listening to this podcast where you know that you can still have that piece of you as well as becoming a mum. I think, you know, for so long, we always just saw women in corporate jobs or that being that girl boss, but to now really be able to almost have that balance of having a bit of both, it's really inspiring, which is why I've loved following your journey so much. What would you say were the biggest changes in you from pre-mum to now being a mum? Oh, so many. It's just as soon as you have your first baby, it changes everything. And you can, I remember when I was pregnant with Arabella, you you know, you have these wonderful visions of what you're going to be like as a mother and what your family are going to be like and how you're going to balance everything. And then reality sets in and you realize there's none of that balance. There's not, you don't even know who you are anymore. Like I couldn't even answer before who's Emma Hawkins. God knows. So I, you know, it's changed me for the better, for sure. I'm much more, look, I still kind of run a hundred miles an hour now, but I'm much, I'm, I'm a bit slower in, in my pace with things. I'm more, I don't know, I lead with empathy a little bit more now, which I think is really important. Yeah. With the work stuff, it was, look, I, that's so sweet that you said that uh, it was inspiring to see how I've worked through having two kids, but like I've honestly, to be completely honest, have really struggled at times with my identity and, and where I want to fit in in 2020 is amazing for women because we have so many opportunities. There's still a lot that we need, you know, in terms of equality, but it's a really cool place to be as a female at the moment in Australia and with digital media and, and you know, you can kind of create your own jobs at the moment, which is really exciting. But at the same time, I guess I sometimes still struggle with weight Am I working too much? Am I missing my children growing up? What's happening? And it's annoying because men never think like this. It's annoying. I find it annoying that I and I sometimes find myself back there because I don't know is that because how women have been positioned socially and how what we've seen growing up. I, I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's quite a bit of that. Or is it biological, you know? I was chatting to a girlfriend the other day who's taking a big step back from work to spend more time with her kids and she said that, you know, she was nervous about what all of her our friends were going to think um, if they would be disappointed. And I thought, well, that's sad as well because women should be able, you, are, you even if you want to be the most successful entrepreneur or, or you've studied your whole life and then all of a sudden you go, you know what, I want to take some time off and be with my children. And if you have the resources yep. and the finances to do that, you should be, you should do that with pride as well. So, I don't think I've answered your question at all. That just shows what's going on in my head. I'm just like a 32-year-old woman. I think that's just I'm still going through the the motions. What I do know is that every time I've chatted with my husband about work, he's always, you know, when I've been feeling a bit lost in it, he's always reminded me how I felt when when I'm pregnant. I can't work because of 
not I can't work a lot because of the type of pregnancies I have and he's always reminded me how I felt during that that stage and I do feel very lost even more lost because obviously I love working I love being creative and um I also to be completely honest I like the independence of it too I can resonate with that so much it's so crazy I was even thinking about it this morning of just like I don't know I guess almost just trying to be kinder to myself like I know it's almost like you have this vision of where you want to go and you you know what you're capable of but it's also trying to find that little balance of also honoring what's happening right now like for me at the moment George is waking up every night with her teeth and it's like you know I need to honor that and not feel guilty that like, you know, some days, oh, I'm not giving her enough and she's going through, you know, teething and that, but I'm also not giving my business enough. You almost feel like then you're failing instead of just, I don't know, honoring that it happens in ebbs and flows. And like some weeks I will feel creative and inspired and like I've got the best balance. And then other weeks it's okay to feel like I totally don't know where I'm going or why am I doing all of this? Like, is it even worth it? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's such good advice to if you are like clearly even with my responses to the or lack thereof responses to these questions, I'm obviously and probably a lot has to do with COVID and, and, and coming back and I'm being slammed with work at the moment, which I'm so grateful for, but I'm being slammed and I'm probably going, yeah. oh, my goodness, I haven't seen my children and I've missed bath time two days in a row. And mm-hmm. But you know what? As you just said before, it's ebbs and flows. That's okay. Let's just roll with this for the moment and be grateful for having the work that, I enjoy and we'll have a bit of downtime over the summer and and we'll just keep rolling with it a bit more and, as you said, be a bit more kinder to ourselves because at the end of the day I don't see my husband coming home going, oh, my goodness, oh, gosh, I'm missing so much. I know. And that's what, you know, like sometimes we have to be, it's funny, um, like my business coach said to me the other day, cause I was like, oh, I just like, you know, I get these immense feelings of guilt some days of like, is it all worth it? Like, why am I even doing it all? Like when I've got this beautiful, happy baby, like, why can't I just be content with this instead of just that stride? And, you know, then I feel so guilty for leaving her. And she's just like, Maddie, like, come on, put things into perspective and think about like what some situations, some children are in, like, what's the worst that you're that's happening to her right now she's seeing a mum that's passionate and driven Arabella picks up the phone at the moment and she says like okay I'm just off to work and she grabs her bag and she's like I'm off to work I love that and you know each to each to their own like I had my mum was around all the time growing up and my you know my dad was very much out the door at seven home at seven to read a book um yeah I think we put gosh this could be the i I've always too clear of giving parental opinions because mine are usually terrible. <laughs> I think sometimes we put so much pressure on how, I mean, A, our children are growing up in Australia, so you know what? They're already bloody lucky. B, if, yeah, they're, if they've got the right nutrition, they've got two loving parents um, or grandparents around and they're lucky and they're going to be fine and it's yeah. how you want your children to look at you. Like what, you know, if your your daughter is looking at, yeah, a mom who's living out her her own career dreams and, and is being independent and, and whatnot, then that's fantastic. And that's exactly right. There's no right or wrong in it. And our parents did it completely different and we're going to do it completely different, which is so lucky and beautiful, I think. So it's almost just like honouring you and what you need as well to be able to, I guess, show up as, as best you can or what you need to kind of fuel that cup. 
I would like to shift gears a little bit though, because I feel like every mama is always desperate to hear about sleep tips and tricks. Do you have any like (laughs) sleep philosophies with the kids or what kind of approach did you take when it comes to sleep? Primrose was up all last night. I have no idea why. She was absolutely fine. We just had one of those nights. Arabella, also in our co-sleepers, we never were because of the hub. We had pretty much two rooms and Belle and Mimi couldn't sleep in the same room because Mimi's only 20 months and they would wake each other up. However, before that, so obviously shit's just hit the fan at the moment. Before that, though, we've been, and again, each to their own, we're crazy routine parents. It worked for us with Arabella. Um, By six months, she wasn't really sleeping and we, I was too weak to do control crying or any of that. I'm just, I'm just too weak. My heart just bleeds and cries a river of tears because I wouldn't, I can't handle the crying. Um, So we ended up getting in help. Her name was, uh, is Amanda from Nest Nannies. And I remember a Two girlfriends had used her and they recommended it. And this by this stage, I think Arabella at six months was waking up eight to ten times a night for the dummy. I remember getting a quote of her and at four months and I was like, oh, absolutely not. That's ridiculous to spend money on that. I can do it myself. By six months, I was, and I was back at work at this stage. I needed sleep. Yeah. I was like, this, okay, this just is an investment. <laughs> sleep is an investment. <laughs> so she came out yeah, and helped absolutely. and it was such a wonderful thing to do because she was a midwife as, and nurse as well. So it was almost mm. like and at this stage I was on the farm. I was a little feeling a little bit isolated. She came out, helped me put together a schedule. She even helped with Arabella's like feeding and and things to introduce her to and I just kind of felt like I had someone come over for two days and give me a crash course on parenting a six-month-year-old and it got my confidence back up because my confidence Mm -hmm. had taken a hit I'd stopped breastfeeding at three months I still wasn't sleeping and I was just like what am I doing and I just she came out and kind of reset us a bit and it was so great but from then we were in a strict schedule and Arabella has honestly slept through the night every single night apart from now she co-sleeps and with Primrose we put her in a schedule at three months and she has slept through every night since three months yeah Primrose is a dream baby though so I don't know if that was just because she was a dream kid um or because of the schedule but yeah we were pretty we were pretty routine based to the point where you know I wouldn't even go out I don't change my kids schedules for anyone maybe once every now Mm. and then but we need our sleep as a family. That is priority. We'll be right back after this healthy break. Hey, Mama, it's time to make the city your playground with the Bugaboo B6. The perfect pram for everyday adventures, the Bugaboo B6 allows you to discover your city while offering comfort and an easy drive. Bugaboo kickstarted the pram revolution 20 years ago with game-changing products that help families explore the world in unparalleled comfort and unmistakable style. Today, Bugaboo keeps pushing their products forward by developing cutting-edge new products that go beyond just strolling to give every parent the confidence and freedom in their journey ahead. My favourite features about the stylish Bugaboo B6 is the one-handed fold, which makes packing and unpacking it so easy, the comfortable seat fabrics, 
and the larger puncher-proof wheels means it drives like a dream. When searching for the perfect pram to suit our family's needs, I wanted something that was extremely light, incredibly strong, and most of all, ideal for navigating the busy city streets. The Bugaboo B6 ticks all the boxes and more, making it the uber stylish and smooth ride pram of my mum life dreams. Click the link in the show notes or visit www.bugaboo.com slash au-en to order your Bugaboo B6 today. Time to turn every day into an enjoyable adventure. It's just so important sleep, isn't it? Like it's just, you know, and it becomes even more important, I think, when you do become a parent because it's like, well, I need to show up for this human day in, day out. Like there's no day off. There's no sleep in. It's like, it's, you know, 6 or 7 a.m. After the newborn stage, when you start getting your sleep back, because I don't sleep during my pregnancy, especially the last three months. I sleep more with a newborn than I do when I'm pregnant. So after, you know, you don't really sleep for the first three months of of the baby's life, that's kind of standard. But then I wasn't sleeping while I was pregnant. Like after, you know, six months of no sleep, then you get your sleep back. It's like, oh, my goodness, I forgot how I can function off sleep. This is a game changer and I can never, ever go back to not having sleep. Tom and I are in bed, no joke, 8 p.m. every night, every night, unless we're going out for dinner with friends. We are in bed at 8 p.m., I'm the same, like we are so early to bed and I've always been someone that needs a lot of, you know, like I've always needed my eight hours to function. So yeah, I've definitely struggled with a little, with the less sleep. Even when it's only six hours, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe people can like, you know, some people just thrive off that. They're completely fine, whether I am totally not someone that is like that. So I'm glad you're the same and need your sleep. Were you a a routine um, sleep mama? Georgia thrives in routine. I think most kids do, to be honest. So COVID was really good for us in that respect of it actually made me really honor a routine. But in saying that, I am really routine with nighttime. I'm probably not as great during the day. And I think that just becomes a little bit from, yeah, from working and stuff, you know, some days she's with my mother-in-law, some days she's with my mum. And so she's in different beds and that sort of stuff. So, but the nighttime we're like so strict, won't change it for anyone. We're home. Um, same thing. It's like she has dinner at 5.30, bath, bed, um, and we keep that super, super tight. We've actually started to let her come into the bed in the mornings. My husband's like a really bad sleeper. He's very aggressive. <laughs> like he's really all over the place. So um, we actually just didn't, just for safety, we kind of, I slept with her at the early stages in the bed. But then once he got back into bed with us, we kept her in the cot um, and she loves it. Sometimes I try to bring her in our bed because I'm like, for me, I'm like, oh, I want you in bed. And she just like, she doesn't even want a bar of it. So we'll see where it goes. I'm sure once she gets a little bit older, she'll realize. Because well, Arabella's sleeping with us at the moment. And the last two nights we've got her back in her bed and we know it'll be fine. She's just, you know, She's had so much change this yeah, year. Yeah, they're just stages. But I think. secretly, yeah. and I know Tom does as well, love having Belle in the bed. Yeah. She's just such a little cuddler. And I just said, you know what, she's going to be a 16-year-old one day that despises us. It's got to enjoy yeah. the cuddles now. <laughs> 
One thing I do really want to touch on with you though is your feeding journeys and I know it's something that you've shared really openly online and one of your posts actually you did after having Primrose, so many of my girlfriends reshared it and I just, I love seeing that because I love seeing people with your influence really empowering other mums to to do things on their terms and for the reasons and for why it, why it suits them. So can we go a little bit into your feeding journeys and I guess the difference between the two girls? Sure. Well, I first always want to preface by I guess as someone who's of influence, I'm certainly not bottle over breast or endorsing bottles or formula in any case. If I could have a beautiful feeding journey, I would have loved that. And I preface that because it is re- it's, it's a really vulnerable position to put yourself in online and I have been, people have come at me hard. I don't know why. I can't imagine how someone else's feeding journey can create such ignite such passion for other people to attack and I think that's always what I've always shared is that's the issue you can't have be a new mom and try and navigate this and feel so much pressure from women you don't even know like of course all all anyone wants is the best for their baby and I had a girlfriend recently who really struggled with feeding as well and like me, first time with Arabella, I tortured myself for three months. I had mastitis five times. I had an operation over it. I just stopped leaving the farm because I couldn't, the only way I could breastfeed was if Arabella was lying down and I would and I would like hover over her. It was the only way we could get her to latch. And the first three months of Arabella's life was, I can't even remember it. It's like my brain has switched mm. off from it. But I was so nervous. I remember being out at a cafe and Tom put out the bottle and I was like, put the bottle away, put the bottle away because I was so fearful of people judging me as a mum and because I had had people literally comment on it online, you know, when they would see a bottle. But I got over that and second time around I actually went to counselling when I was pregnant because I wanted to talk about if I was going to feed or not and I didn't want to get the anxiety would just, you know, it was while I was pregnant, the thought of even feeding was just tearing me up because did I want to try again? I should try. If I don't try, I'm giving up. I'm weak. I'm not a good mother. So I went to counseling about it and spoke really in depth and my obstetricians were amazing. And once I'd given birth, I I fed Primrose in the hospital and then all of this anxiety just came back and I just stopped. I like bandaged up my breasts and I just am so happy and maybe because it was second time around I was more confident the first three months of Primrose's life was just heaven for me and Tom and but we also put blinkers on and we didn't speak to anyone if anyone asked about our feeding journey and I think as a first-time mum you're so you're super sensitive and sometimes people are just asking you because they're just you know they may have had a bad journey as well but if as a first-time parent, if someone asks you, you're like, hold, no, 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 they're, they're judging me, they're judging me. Second time around, after we'd left the hospital and we decided that, we just looked at all of the positives because we compared it to our first experience, which was really, really hard on me. We looked at Tom was just as involved in Primrose's feeding journey as I was and it was just a really lovely time. But I also did very consciously put my blinkers on and didn't speak to anyone else. I didn't even want to put it online because I didn't want anyone to take away how confident I was feeling as a, as a mum. And this was my decision and it worked right for our family. And I'm, 
I was really proud of myself, but I purposely didn't put anything out there, I think, until Primrose was eight months or nine months when it didn't matter by then. But does that make sense? Because at the time I didn't want to be in this really happy, proud place and have someone come in and attack me for it. But once I did put it out there, I think it's nice because it's important for mums to understand that no matter how you give birth or how you feed or how you choose to raise your child, we're all women who have this amazing ability to have children, but we all have a really different journey. We have different pregnancy journeys. We have different delivery journeys. We have different feeding journeys. We have different babies. And no one knows your journey better than you or your baby better than you and what you need to do in your environment better than you. And that's the only thing you need to remember because I understand how difficult it can be and your confidence just takes a beating as a mum. And Tom would, I would remember, this is probably more with Arabella, Tom would be like, who cares? Why do you care? And I said to him, you don't, you don't go to work and none of your colleagues, does anyone even ask you how Primrose is sleeping or how you gave birth because you didn't or how you're yeah. feeding because you don't? I'm like, as a mum, you know, it's so easy for you to say, don't worry, but this is a first time mum, you can't help but let the noise get to you. So that's why second time around, we weren't listening to anyone, but our doctors and my psychologist and my little family. And it was just the best experience. I love that so, so much. And it's exactly why I wanted to do these conversations was to just show mums that there's like, there is absolutely no right or wrong. And exactly what you said, you need to do what is right for your family and for you. And, you know, at the end of the day, a happy mum makes a happy baby. And it's funny you say like, so George is 14 months at the moment and I give her a bottle of like nut milk, which is just a personal choice, but to go to bed because she won't take a dummy. Um, but with her teeth, she's just, I don't know, there's something about the sucking sensation that just really relaxes her, puts her to sleep. But because I'm dropping her naps at the moment. So she's just doing a really short morning one. And I've just been taking her to the park in the morning and then leave the park, give her the bottle and she'll just fall asleep for like 20 minutes in the pram on the way home. It's working perfect, but this is still like, you know, and I feel quite confident in my decisions and my motherhood journey. But if there's a lot of women at the park and I'm getting that bottle out and giving it to my 14 month old, like I still feel so anxious because of just those comments around like, oh, they don't need milk after this age or they shouldn't be having a bottle then. And I'm just like, I know that she's so much happier on this, yet I still feel this stupid amount of pressure sometimes. Like I have to justify why I'm doing it to these people. Like, After I stopped um, feeding Arabella at three, when I would, you know, obviously I had to join society back again and bring the bottles out and when people would ask me, it was literally like I had to give a 30-minute story on why I've got a bottle in my hand and Tom would be like, shut up. Who who cares? You're feeding your baby. No one knows and it doesn't matter what you've been through. And, you know, Tom would say, even if you didn't go through all of that and you just wanted to feed your baby formula for other reasons, power to you. I mean, for him, we've always, I just think he's got this amazing connection to his girls because Tom would be up feeding one in the morning sometimes and mm. there's, and I'm not pro it at all. I'm pro if you struggle and even if I, I, I had milk yeah. supply and everything, but the mastitis and my mental health, that's, yeah. you know, I've, sat down as I said I 
went to a psychologist my whole pregnancy second time around so I could get come to a decision and, and I took it really seriously because my mental health needed to be a, a priority too. And I already yeah. have a fair amount of prenatal depression just because I get high premises and I'm on bed rest and that's just a very okay. situational mm-hmm. headspace because of my pregnancy. So, you know, I, the mum needs to be happy yeah. and 100%. you're allowed to admit that. Yeah, totally. And like you said, our mental health is just so important. Like, you know, I was – breastfeeding was quite an easy, like for Georgia and I, like she latched really well, my milk came in, but mentally on me, it was really, really taxing. Like I really struggled and I introduced a bottle like to mix feeding at three months to take the pressure off. And, you know, it was the best decision for both of us that I ever made because she was so happy. She was, you know, loving getting the bottle and same Ryan was getting that bit of an opportunity to, to feed her and those, those bonding moments. And, you know, and sometimes I would beat myself up because it's like, well, Maddie, like it's coming easy to you. You can do it. Like, why aren't you doing it? But I just had to keep telling myself like, no, this is actually for my mental well-being. It's it's nothing more that's I need to honor that. Absolutely. Um, so Look, if we were to have a third baby, who's to say I won't try again in the third? Like I, I might, because I really do long to breastfeed. I would love to have a lovely breastfeeding journey. And what's to say if I have a third baby, it it could be different. Absolutely. I love that so much, Em. And I, yeah, I'm just so glad that you, like, you know, you are now in a position where you feel really comfortable sharing that stuff because I truly know how many women it does help. And, you know, just personally, how many of my friends, you know, reshared your post and stuff. And I know they felt so empowered after, you know, hearing that. So thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate you sharing that. I know so many people will get so much out of it. How did you personally find that transition from one to two babes? Did you find that a big juggle or was it just kind of a bit more natural? I found it really easy because as we were saying before, when I had Arabella, I had I really struggled with the breastfeeding for the three months and then the lack of sleep and just the change of identity. The f- zero to one was just was a lot for me. So one to two, I was just more confident in being a mum and – also, it helped Primrose is just a dream. Um, it's just a dream, baby. I don't know. It's probably a bit of both, but I found one to two, yeah, really easy. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's It's just so funny. A few mums have said that now. And I'm like, oh, that's giving me confidence because at the moment I've got like so much anxiety around two because like even though I know I want to have, I'd love to have three, but I'm like, oh my goodness, like if I'm struggling to keep afloat now, like how the hell am I going to do it with another child in the mix? No, I think zero to one was so, I found that the hardest. That's when your whole life changes. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And I think, like you said, that identity, you know, shift, you've already, you know, you know yourself a bit more as a mum. What does the future have in store for you? What's what's coming up? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just don't we all just want this year to finish and then we'll discuss what's happening <laughs> I know, I'll come uh, back and ask you next year <laughs> yeah. uh, so homegrown kids is going really well and we're on all you know all of the right tracks to be reaching our KPIs as a business and that's so really good. exciting um the influencer game is going strong too and it's just next year will be about balancing all of the, my different hats 
and I'm not talking about like parent hats because that's just like standard that you need to balance being a working mom. It's more about using my time, you know, having quality over quantity with time management and where I focus on each of the different businesses that I'm involved in. I don't know about you, but with COVID, I'm usually such a yes person, but I'm becoming a little bit more selfish with my time now as well. If I'm working for or whatever days a week, I just won't go to that thing on the weekend anymore because I'm like, you know what? Nope, that's my day at home. So next year for me, just about getting that balance right, which I know is so cliche. I don't know. I keep thinking of things now as like ebbs and flows or seasons. Like I feel, I don't know, there's something in that just makes me think like there's going to be times when it's full pace and you can handle it all and have it all together. And then there's other times where it's just like, holy crap, like how do I even keep my head above water? No, next year's all about embracing life, enjoying the small things, enjoying the family, um, keep growing homegrown kids and, yeah, just hopefully not too much more COVID. (laughs) Where did the idea from homegrown kids come from? Was that something you'd always wanted to do? No, I never kind of grew up going I want to have a children's Um, brand I through social media content the social media content business that I'm involved in and the influencer work I'm I've got access to a lot of data and I understand where trends are kind of moving pretty well and I understood that there was a big my market was really big with the children like with parents and and mums obviously and I have just adored dressing Arabella and Primrose and I just always knew I wanted to create something of my own that was very Australian based um, that paid tribute to Australia and, and my country roots and from there kind of homegrown kids came into place and I found an amazing business partner who I actually went to school with we've been friends since school and it's just working so well and everyone's really enjoying it which is the most important thing that everyone loves the prints and the stories behind everything and we just want it to be a brand that Aussies can really be proud of and hopefully at the next stage is taking it you know to the overseas markets. Yeah oh my goodness I love that and I love that it's kind of just naturally evolved with one obviously your knowledge and your research but also something you're so passionate about with having the girls it's so nice so beautiful well it looks incredible all the products it's so hard to get your hands on though my goodness (laughs) I'm like I swear every time I'm like oh sold out I'm like I gotta be quicker on this Maddie I gotta be quicker. (laughs) By next year it won't be that whole chapters sell out within 24 hours. I think from a marketing perspective, sometimes that can be good, but then it gets to a point as a brand where that just gets annoying for your loyal customers. And that's certainly, we don't want it to be annoying. So by next year, we'll have all the quantities right. Oh, but it's also, you know, I think that's too, the the small business process, isn't it? It's always kind of like figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And it's, you know, it's that constant evolution of of trying to understand what the market wants and, and what your people want. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. You have been highly requested by my listeners. I did a call out the other week and it was just Emmy Hawkins. Emma oh, Hawkins. really? Like, Gosh, after everyone's <laughs> listened to me babble on, they'll so be much. like, get that hot mess off your podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
Don't be ridiculous. No, you're amazing. And um, yeah, so excited to be able to catch up with you in person. But thank you so much for your time. I've absolutely adored chatting to you. you Yeah, just wishing you. I know. Can't wait. We'll definitely will be. So we'll be neighbours before we know it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And good luck for the rest of 2020. I um, yeah. Cheers to 21. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.